Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. One just like yourself. Peter called himself a fellow elder. He's identifying them, identifying himself with them. And I want you to notice the humility of Peter, even though he was an apostle. He didn't see himself as being above them, but rather a fellow under rower, a fellow pastor, if you will. And I love the humility in that. And that humility is something that's very desperately needed today and is needed and, and is necessary for any really uh, any pastor or shepherd. Can I ever say Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Bible teaching on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series on shepherding the flock. Although Peter was clearly the prominent disciple among the twelve and claimed no special privilege or position, such as being a pope of the early church, but instead he saw himself only as another fellow elder among all the other elders of the church. Charles Spurgeon said, It is a pity for anyone ever to seem to preach down to people. It is always better to be as nearly as possible on the same level as they are. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message. All right, let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. I originally, sometimes day, or, uh, giving a title to a message is tricky. And uh, the title that you see in your bulletin is not right. It was right when I gave it to Lisa uh, earlier on Friday, but um, it's really Shepherd the Flock of God. That's really the name of this morning's message. It'll be a short message, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Shepherding the Flock of God. Let's look at the very, I believe we're only going to get through the first four verses, but there's quite a bit there, and so let's just get started. It says, The elders who are among you, Peter speaking to these these folks, these Christians, these Jewish Christians who have been exiled and are dispersed throughout the region at that time back in the first century. He says, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed Shepherd the flock of God, and that's the exhortation. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly or willingly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, who is our Savior Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away, does not fade away. 
And so I believe we're just going to be looking at the first uh, four verses, and we'll just get right into it here. It says, the elders who are among you. So Peter is exhorting these men that God has raised up in these churches and these fellowships that have came about as a result of the dispersion. Remember, after Jesus was crucified, there was a great uh, persecution against the church. And even after Pentecost, there was a great persecution of the church. And so they need, these men need to be encouraged. They need to be encouraged. It says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. This word elders, you might want to underline it because it's a, it's a Greek word, presbyteros. And these are seniors. These are men of age. And in the Old Testament, or in the, among the Jewish race back at that time, these were members usually of the Great Council, which we know as the Sanhedrin, a member of a group of 70 or 71 men who would uh, oversee and, and, and look after Israel. And in the New Testament, we know that this idea of an elder, this presbyteros, this could also mean those who preside over assemblies or churches. And here, Peter is saying, I am a fellow elder. I'm a fellow elder. And what he's basically saying is, I am, I'm just a, a one just like yourself. One just like yourself. Peter called himself a fellow elder. He, he's identifying them, identifying himself with them. And I want you to notice the humility of Peter, even though he was an apostle. He didn't see himself as being above them, but rather a fellow under rower, a fellow pastor, if you will. And I love the humility in that, and that humility is something that's very desperately needed today and is needed and, and is necessary for any, really, uh, any pastor or shepherd, uh, even a shepherd who's tending sheep or a pastor who's shepherding people. It's the same thing. And we look at what an elder is in the church, and it's a man who's spiritually mature, Spiritually mature, mature, seasoned, experienced in the faith. He may be old or may be older in age, but it's not necessary. It's unfortunate that sometimes a person can be a, a believer in Christ and be old and be 70, 80 years old and yet not exhibit the same kind of wisdom as maybe a 30-year-old because the 30-year-old is really taking it seriously and the elderly person sometimes is not always the wisest person. I've seen this even in the world. It's unfortunate to see. Whenever I look at an aged person, I always think of, there is the model. <laughs> that's, that's the person we should be following. But it's not always the case. And I would encourage you to be that person. If you're older, if you're, uh, you're older in age, be that example for the younger folks. They may not uh, express any thanks to you. They may not appreciate you. They may look at you in disdain just because of their youth, but you know this because you were their age once as well. Take it on the chin and do the right thing. Do the thing as a parent would do. Even though you know your child is acting foolishly, you still love them. You still encourage them. You understand where they're at in their walk. And so you don't just sit back and, 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 and point fingers at them and then the, the guns start blazing either way and you've got a church that's divided. We can't be that way. There's so many churches that are like that. So an elder is not necessarily a, an old man or an older person, but it can be. But it speaks of those having wisdom, 
which is not just knowledge, but wisdom is taking that knowledge and using it in a godly way and applying that knowledge. And it's not just earthly wisdom or earthly experience or life experience. An elder is not an intern with a lot of book knowledge, but someone with experience and time in, time in with with the Lord and time in with the ministry. But notice what Peter says in that same verse. He says that I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And when was Peter a witness or a martyr? That's what the word means, martis. It's a a word that we use for martyr. It's somebody who has been a spectator or someone who has been or undergone a, a violent death as a result of their faith. Peter says that he was a witness, and we certainly saw this or can understand that as Peter walked with Jesus those three and a half years and the very short ministry that our Lord had while on the earth, Peter and the disciples were with him. They, 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 they hung out together all the time. And certainly Peter was among those who seen the persecutions that the religious leaders, that the Jews, that the Gentiles, that they laid upon Jesus. Just even vocally, they would, they would say bad things about him. They would claim that he was a devil, that he was possessed by a demon, by Beelzebub himself. And these are the persecutions that came against our Lord. And we also know that also in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night when Jesus was taken wrongfully, we know that Jesus, when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought all the the disciples, the apostles, but there were three that he brought closer to him. And he went further into the Garden. We know that was Peter, James, and John. And it says that when he was there, that an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthening him. And Jesus, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Peter certainly saw the suffering of Jesus as he was contemplating what was coming. He knew very well what was going to take place on that cross. It was no accident. In fact, it had been preordained before the foundation of the world that Jesus would go to the cross. And Jesus knew the path that he was on. There was a point in his ministry where he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem because there was no other way. And even as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. So Peter witnessed the sufferings of Jesus as he contemplated this horrible thing that he's about to go through. And I think the horribleness of it was partly, a very small part of it, the physical suffering. I don't want to minimize the the, the physical suffering, but Jesus knew that as he hung on that cross, his father would abandon him. That's what the word means when it says that he... Uh, uh, he forsook him on the cross. That's what Isaiah tells us. He forsook him on the cross. For a time, Jesus was all alone. Even heaven didn't want him because his soul became an atonement for our sin. And certainly there's no mention that Peter was there at the crucifixion. There were a lot of women there, but most of the disciples were scattered. But there were some that, had, that watched from afar, and perhaps that was Peter having realized his denial of Christ, perhaps filled with a sense of contempt and and anger at himself. Maybe he just couldn't even bring it to himself, and I I can't blame him. The emotions that he was feeling, he's like, I cannot stand and watch this happen. 
Maybe he was scared. Maybe he was frustrated. Who knows? The, the, the gamut of emotions was all over the place. But perhaps Peter was looking afar and just saw it, and he just hung his head and wept. We don't really know. But he was probably, pretty, he's probably there at some point, seeing it, witnessing it from afar, perhaps. But notice the exhortation in verse 2. Because now he's exhorting these elders. He says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but willingly. Shepherding a flock is deliberate. It's an active thing. There's nothing incidental in it. Shepherding a flock requires a lot of work. And as we look at uh, shepherds in, in the world, as they shepherd physical sheep, there's a neat little farm over here off Turk Hill Road uh, if you drive by it, you'll see there's a bunch of sheep out in the pasture. And I'd love to just hang out with those folks for a while and just kind of get an idea, a deeper insight into what it's like shepherding a bunch of sheep. I would love to see that. But the word shepherd here is poinme. Uh, I'm going to butcher the Greek here. Uh, my wife's Greek, and my wife's mother could probably pronounce this. So I'm just going to give it my exeno uh, uh, shot at it. Poimino, uh, it literally means to tend to tend as a shepherd, to feed them, to furnish pasture for food, to nourish them, to supply them. That's what the word, the idea is. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. And certainly in the context here, Peter is not speaking about sheep so much as he's speaking about people. In Ephesians chapter 4, and because of the the sake of time, I'm just going to read these scriptures to you, okay? In Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, Paul says to them, he says, that Jesus, that God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and and teachers. And why did he do this? For the equipping of of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that word pastor in that verse 11 that we see in Ephesians, the word pastor, or the word shepherd literally means, or pastor means to shepherd. It literally is a shepherd, either figuratively or literally. And what does a good shepherd do? What does a good shepherd do if he's shepherding the flock of God, if that's his vocation, if that's his charge, what does he do? He brings them to good pastures that have been inspected so that they can feed. David, in the Psalm 23, you remember this, he says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A good shepherd goes into the field before the sheep go in. Before they begin to graze, he goes in and he looks for things that the sheep shouldn't eat. He looks for poisonous berries and plants, things that would disrupt the sheep digestive system things that would kill them, things that would be bad for them. A shepherd goes into the field. Do you know that? They still do that today. Before they bring them out to a plateau or some place, the shepherd walks around. He goes out there and he's looking for stuff. And he'll pull up those things that he knows the sheep is going to eat because a sheep is a sheep. If it's there, if it's green, I'm eating it. Right? <laughs> Could be an asparagus laying out there. He's just going to eat it. It's green. going to eat it. <laughs> So the shepherd has to go ahead of time. And you know, a good pastor also will not give you his opinion, but rather what the Bible says. A a, a shepherd, a pastor gives good provender. 
And if he does have an opinion, it will be based on the Word of God. He won't give you just a 15-minute sermonette, but mine is. Actually, today, it's only a half hour. Um, But he doesn't give you just a 15-minute sermon on current events or tell stories to make you laugh. One of the other things a, a good shepherd will do is he'll watch for enemies trying to attack the sheep. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. A sheep has that wonderful assurance that the shepherd is going to take care of them. And you know, a good pastor will also warn. He'll warn concerning dangers in our culture. And that's what Pastor Jeff did. That's what I'm hoping to do and continue to do, to warn you against false teachers, against books, movies, and music that promote false doctrine. We have to be aware of those things. A good pastor will do that. Stay away from this. Have you heard about this? Stay away from that. This thing is just a bunch of junk. Don't listen to it. Don't watch it. Don't hear it. And believe me, there's so much stuff out there. You could spend every, every Sunday just talking about that. But a good shepherd will also defend the sheep from attackers. In Psalm 23, it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is used to beat off predators. The rod to use to beat off predators. You remember David, as he was about to go out and slay Goliath, he had this dialogue with King Saul. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to feed his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. Delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. (laughs) I love David. Can't wait to meet him. Can't wait to meet him. Such a great guy. I just grab a club and knock him. You know, just wolves come after you, you just stand there with a club. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing, has de- seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Go for it, young man. Go west. Kill that giant, that genetic nightmare, Goliath. And a good pastor will be the one, or one of the first, if necessary, and able to defend someone from being harmed. That's why we have nuclear bombs here up at the pulpit. If anybody comes in, i got these little row of buttons right here that the elders installed. So I can just aim the platform, and I can just hit the button, and um, mushroom cloud, little prayer service, it's over. No, but... That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd protects. A pastor should protect as often as we can and when we can. doesn't mean that any, a pastor is a Rambo. He's not. Sometimes they're the thinnest guys in the group, although I'm not one of the thinnest, certainly. Another thing that a shepherd does is prote- protects from danger. Again, your rod and your staff. Your staff, they comfort me. The staff with the crook in it, you know, you've seen the, the shepherd's staff. It looks like a candy cane usually. That would allow the shepherd to put it around a wayward sheep, perhaps too close to a precipice or a cliff. He would just reach that thing around and grab it right from the, around the inside here and just pull that sheep back. Or perhaps if a sheep is trying to get out and, and, is, and he's trying to get a hold of the sheep because he's got to fix the sheep, he's got to shave it, he's got to pull out parasites, he's got to anoint the head and get the flies from um, getting infected in his eyes. Sometimes a sheep doesn't want to be bothered, but you've got you to gotta hook them. And so that's what that, that end would be with the crook in it. It would be a way for them to, to capture that sheep, to do what is good for that sheep, even though the sheep doesn't want to be helped. 
A good shepherd, too, will heal the wounded and sick sheep. In Psalm 23, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And even a good pastor will seek to bring healing and encouragement to hurting people. And that's really what this fellowship is. That's what this church is. It's a, it's a hospital. It ought to be. It ought to be a place where we can come and be ourselves. Too often churches are places where we all put on our, our face. We put on our facade. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. Great. <laughs> when you're really not great, why don't you just be honest? Honesty is good, folks. We don't have to lie to one another. We don't have to put on airs with one another. We ought not to. We mustn't because time is short. We need to be encouraging one another. And my, I, I want to encourage you to put down the walls. You don't have to blab everything to everybody, but, you know, if somebody asks how you're doing, just you say, well, you know what? I'm struggling. This is what's going on. Would you pray for me? Will you do that? Will you swallow your pride as I need to as well and be honest with your brothers and sisters? Be honest with God. Another thing that a shepherd will do is he'll find and he'll save a lost or trapped sheep. We know that Jesus goes after the 99, or he leaves the 99 to go after that one who has strayed. In First Peter, in this very epistle, in the second chapter, he says, For we were like sheep going astray. Every one of us, we were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And a good pastor will not just wait for, but will seek out that which was lost. That's why we have an outreach. That's why we're doing it together, because we want to go out together. As often, and again, don't worry about the outreach. If, you, if, 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 you're, if that's not something that you want to do, pray. Pray for those who are going out. Pray for the hearts that are going to be touched, hopefully. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to pray for our neighbors in this area, all around this neighborhood. We're going to pray for them. Come if you want to, but it's not compulsion. Don't feel guilty. Come if you can on Saturday. We'll, we'll, as we get closer to it, we'll let you know more information. But, but come with us, and don't be afraid. Grow. And if you can't or don't want to go for whatever reason, there's no harm. Just pray. Pray. Maybe that's what God has called you to do in that whole thing, is just to pray. There's no need to feel guilty and feel like you're manipulated into doing something. Don't ever feel that way. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. We do things because we're, God is the one who touches us, and we want to do it for him. But that's okay. Every one of us are on this trajectory of Christ-likeness, and sometimes we're all not in the same place, but we're all headed in the right direction, the same direction. Another thing a shepherd will do is he'll love them. He'll share their lives, and so earning their trust. A good pastor will enjoy fellowshipping with you, listen to you, listen to you, and he'll also eat all your cookies and baked goods. That's what a pastor will do. There's a really excellent book I'd encourage you to read. If you haven't read it, I've read it at least twice. It's a book by Philip Keller called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. I got this at the Webster used book sale for a dollar. And let me tell you, it's worth more than a dollar. I'd pay $20 for this or more. It's a great book. I'd encourage you to get one and read it. Philip Keller's A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's an awesome one. In Ezekiel chapter 34, there was a time when, uh, you remember when the children of Israel went into captivity in Babylon. 
And a couple hundred years just prior to that, the northern ten tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And then just a hundred or so, 150 years or so later... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.